to this week's Sports Girls podcast. I'm Denise O'Flaherty. Joining me this evening is our regular pundit, Nadine Doherty, and we are delighted to have Westmeath Captain Fiona Claffey on. So, welcome on board, girls. Thanks, Another busy weekend of games. We'll start with them first. Nadine, I might get you to talk about, because Galway became the first team through to the senior football quarterfinals with victory over Westmeath in Mullingar. We were kind of predicting that Galway were going to do that, and that was just the case. It was straightforward for Galway in the end up, and, and Fiona might come in this after because obviously she was playing. But um, you know, another slow start for them, um, same as they were against Kerry. Um, but then you know they had that strong finish to the first half, and it would have been difficult for Westmead, I suppose, in the second half to come out down by I think it was six or seven points. Looking at Galway, the Leonards again at the four, yeah. positive Galway play. I think they'd won seven or one eight between them, maybe. Um, yeah, we did expect Galway to top the group, but I mean, they haven't been overly impressed. Maybe they're saving their best football for when they feel it matters in the knockout stages. Um, but, you know, for me, it wasn't a group that they could take lightly. Um, Kerry are a very strong team, yeah. and obviously as are Westmead. Um, I suppose, you know, you're, you're probably disappointed with only scoring the 1-3. You know, what, I suppose what was behind that, or what did you feel, you know, hindered you in, in, in that scoring? Yeah, I, I suppose um, I, I've kind of been reflecting on it myself today and um, I suppose, uh, you know, as you said yourself, you know, we, Galway, Galway did start us well slow enough um, and, you know, we definitely had a couple of opportunities, yeah. and, you know, just put the ball wide, whereas I suppose when Galway got their chances, um, they were more clinical, especially in the, the latter end of the first half and through the second half, but, uh, you know, I think um, Galway, I mean, really, really demonstrated some amazing forward play. I think they're a very, very patient team. And, you know, we, we did pack the defence a bit at times and I think they just sprayed the ball around, they patiently worked it and, um, you know, I, I remember one particular, I think it was their second goal, I mean, I had to admire it myself because it just the build-up to it was, you know, phenomenal. They, it right. made a couple of minutes, you know, they were very patient, they worked well together, they kept recycling and eventually they got a burst through and got a great goal out of it and I think, um, you know, that's the goal we, you know, that, um, that we've been seeing, it, you know, in the league and I think um, they could definitely go places when they play like that. I mean, it was, it was, their forwards just really, really worked well. I suppose we were maybe a bit, you know, again, the other side of that, you know, the Galway were very good at getting back quickly and I suppose, you know, I remember looking up at the ball a couple of times and it was a of white in front of me. Um, they, they really packed us out and I suppose maybe we just kind of lacked that ability to um, to spray the ball or spread them out a bit more the way they were doing to us. But, uh, you know, I was very, very impressed in fairness now with their forwards. Um, I think they were very, very patient on the ball and they went, took the chances when they came. Fiona, the thing about Galway is as well, they've been there before. They know how probably to pace themselves in a game and when to up the tempo and how to do it. Yeah, and I, I think, um, you know, in, in previous games, we played at Galway, um, you know, they're, they're notorious for getting an early goal in the mm. game, and if they do that, like, they literally will blitz you. I think once they get on top, you know, they get comfortable, and um, I think that's kind of showed there yesterday, and uh, even the same, you know, Kerry obviously started very well against Galway last weekend, and um, but then as soon as Galway got on top, you know, they kind of settled into it a bit more, so um, I think, you know, when they're in a good position, they, they get comfortable, and I think they can they can play very well together when they're in that position. Nadine, looking towards the big game at the weekend, and a bit of a shocker, your own county, Donegal, fell to a surprising defeat on Saturday, Tyrone winning 3-12 to 3-9. But the previous week, Tyrone did show glimpses against uh, Mayo, and it was a goal 
from Rachel Kearns have kind of separated the two sides. Yeah, Tyrone are they're a great team. Um, they even showed glimpses in, in Ulster when, mm. when Donegal narrowly defeated them. Um, look, you can't take away from Tyrone. Obviously, bitterly disappointed for, for Donegal, but Tyrone, they were really well organised defensively. I felt they had paced throughout the team, which we've been talking about, I suppose, all year. And their counter-attack was absolutely clinical. It was brilliant. It was actually lovely to watch the way they played football. Um, they were very clever. They identified Jordan McLaughlin really as the only threat up front for Donegal. Now, Gerling still managed to get 2-3, but mm. it could have been so much more had Tyrone not set up as well as they did defensively. And they knew Donegal wouldn't kick the ball in early, so they just packed Gerling out of it. Um, personnel, I love watching Maria Canavan play football. Um, absolute class act. Uh, Neve McGurr, I thought as well, the little wing back, I thought that she was just top class. And I think they both kind of, their performances epitomised Tyrone's class and their drive on the day. Um, really, they were just brilliant. You know, hats off to them. Um, as a Donegal fan and a Donegal person, it was a really worrying display from from Donegal. I just think they seemed to lack belief in the system that they were playing. I don't know. It just it was a very shaky performance. Whether they were dwelling on you know, the tight game in Ulster and that was playing on their minds. But, you know, for a team like Donegal who played a running game, there was little to no support off the ball for the player in possession. So many times, young Evelyn McGinley, who was playing really, really deep, which, you know, I haven't seen her play that deep at all this year. She won so much ball, but there was nobody coming off her shoulder. Um, I just found it so frustrating and puzzling as to why the ball isn't kicked into Sterling McLaughlin. Like, she's one of, if not the most dangerous forwards in the game. And the ball just doesn't go in early. It's you know, and then there's no, there was no pace to the attack and play, and it was really easy for throwing a good defensive team to set up against. Um, yeah, just really, really disappointing. And Donegal and I find themselves in a really difficult position. Like it's, you know, it's tender hooks now for Mayo. Um, I'd love to see the Donegal that we saw early in the year, let's say against Dublin, kicking the ball and you know playing that mm. give and go game. Um, but I feel if they set up the way they did against Tyrone and, and it's the same kind of performance, it's going to be very difficult for them to, to get anything from that game. Nadine, you mentioned Ulster and you look at the game against Tyrone and even Calvin, if Calvin had that little yeah. bit of belief, Calvin could have caught them in Ulster. Is that something that's kind of worrying you that the last few performances from Donegal haven't been what you're used to seeing? Well, no, and you know, I spoke about, about both of those mm. games, you know, previously. It wasn't worrying. It was, it was a sense for me. It was refreshing because I thought that Donegal had this resilience and they built yeah. this resilience that possibly had been missing from previous seasons. So if anything, I was delighted that those games were tight games and Donegal clawed it back, especially against Cavan. Like they were dead and buried and yeah. they, they clawed it back. But then we just didn't see any of that at the weekend. Um, yeah, just really disappointing and really disappointing for the girls as well. Um, you know, they really, suppose going into that group, they would have felt that they would have been top of the table now and going into a match against Mayo that didn't have or doesn't have as much significance as it now does. Yeah, because you're looking now, Donegal have to beat Mayo and then if the win, oh, yeah. scoring difference kind of decides. So it's it's all to play for. It's all to play for. Like, it's actually a crazy group. So Mayo are plus three. Tyrone are zero and Donegal are minus three Sweet. in terms of score difference. So if Donegal beat Mayo by three points, you have every single team on yeah. a zero points difference. So, you know, like, it's it's really exciting for a neutral, but for a Donegal fan, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not at all. 
Fiona Cork made a winning start to the championship as we expected. Orla Finn scored 12 points for her team uh, win over Cavan. That's the second week though that Cavan have conceded six goals. Yeah, I mean, um, I think uh, Cork in particular, you know, they're, they're ruthless when they have to be like, and, you know, their forwards are on fire this year in particular, or it's been really, you know, um, shown so much like this year. It's incredible the amount of scores she's racking up. Um, you know, I, I, I think they've looked extremely strong, like since the league, you know, we played them in Mullingar. It was a low enough scoring game, but they're, they're just, they're just a really, really great team and mm. you know like I think they're really really going to knock on the door now for another yeah. this year you know they're 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 really showing it and I think um you know they're they're, they're not going to take the foot off the pedal in any game they're they're basically they go hell for letter in every game they play and I think that's the kind of um that's the kind of court mentality that's always been there and it's, it's there still. See Nadine for Cavan the big game was the Armagh game so and they always knew that it was going to be a tough one against Cork. Yeah, and, and as you said, that Armagh game, I suppose, was significant for them. Um, we did speak about Cavan and their mm. defence last week, and we did expect yeah. a, a massive score from Cork. But, you know, fair play to Cavan as well. They kept themselves in yeah. until half-time. Um, and to be honest, I wasn't surprised at that because of their performance against Donegal, their performance um, against Armagh, mm. and, you know, they have to be credited with not throwing in the towel. They yeah. gave their absolute all. Even to the end, you know, they just came up against a far superior side. But they do deserve their place in the quarterfinal yeah. um, because their performances in both matches were brilliant and what a penalty from Ashley Doonan. Like, I think, <laughs> I, yeah. don't, I don't know if you saw it, unbelievable. Yeah, she's something alone, else. Like, yeah. ah, amazing. You know, surprised as well that she was taken off. Um, she's one of your main scoring tracks yeah. because she wasn't having the best day. But, you know, she's your top forward. I, I kind of questioned a few of those, those subs. But, um, no, fair play to Calvin now and they definitely deserve that place. Fiona Waterford um, had a convincing win over Monaghan. Look, I still wouldn't write Monaghan off. You know, they've they've a lot of experience there still on the panel. Um, you know, um, Waterford. You know, in fairness, they're um, the monster finalists. You know, and they, you know they've 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 shown some great performances over the last while. You know, they won Division Two there as well, so they'll be kind of going on a high from that. But uh, yeah, no, no, Monaghan obviously would be disappointed with the with the results of the weekend. Um, but I suppose, look, they'll just have to focus on the Dublin game and then whatever happens after that, you know, um, it's, uh, it's it's unusual for a Monaghan team to be in danger of relegation. You know, they've been such a consistent team over the last number of years. But um, I suppose, you know, teams go through these, these these years and if they could if they could fight and retain their senior status, I'm pretty sure they'd be well able to rebuild again next year. Nadine, moving on to the intermediate, Ashley Maloney scored 2-11 more than actually Longford scored in the game in Tipperary's comprehensive victory over Longford. We said... They're going to win the intermediate. Um, it would take a huge, huge shock and a massive performance for some team not to win it. They're actually basically a senior team. They're playing Division One. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no comment really. Honestly, mm. could go on every week and talk yeah. about how brilliant Tipperary are, and we all know Ashley Maloney's top class, and there's brilliant players there. But like, look, they shouldn't be senior, or they should be senior. They shouldn't be intermediate. It was ridiculous that they went down last year and were even faced with the relegation playoff. Um, yeah, I just think it's a bit of a joke that they're there and it's doing absolutely nothing for intermediate football. Um, and now you have Longford with that result. I feel that they're probably facing a battle, yeah. aren't they? Like they might be in a relegation playoff, which is, is disappointing. But yeah, look, unless Roscommon or maybe Wexford, Roscommon, Wexford um, or Meath, unless one of them mount a challenge, it's a tip all the way, really. Fiona, we spoke before about teams going up to the senior grades because Tipperary done that the previous year. 
and it's hard for them, you know, because they need a couple of years there and they need the experience of playing against the top teams. Should there be something for maybe a senior, a two-year cycle, whereas a team is allowed to stay in the senior status for two or two years and after two years then have a relegation battle? Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you there. Um, I definitely think there should be um, a minimum of two years. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> just know going from experience ourselves, you know, we went up to senior, uh, we went into Regis 2011, you know, and we were lucky enough that we managed to stay up there yeah. and go on feet, but at the same time, it took us a good four or five years yeah. to establish ourselves as senior. You know, we we basically, I think we used to play in Leinster rounds and we'd lose out and then we'd lose the next game uh, in the back door, you know, and we were gone straight away. I think, you know, but whatever way it was, we, we managed to avoid relegation. But, uh, you know, it, it did take us that couple of years and in particular, like, um, you know, it, it, it's tough as well, as you say, on the intermediate teams then when you have a team that wins it one year and then they're back down another year later, you know, it's, it's not really doing much because it's a very, very hard division to get out of. You know, it's yeah. like Division 2. Division 2 and Intermediate, I've always said, are just so hard to get out of. Yeah. And once you get out, you know, to go back down, it's it's not really doing your team a favour and it's also not yeah. doing the other teams a favour. So I, I would 100% agree because I think, you know, it, it, it's a big jump, you know, from, from Intermediate to Senior and we've really yeah. seen it with Westmead, you know. Um, when we went up there first, you know, we were really, really struggling and, you know, even now, I would say we're, you know, we're in senior a number of years and we're still struggling against the top, top teams. But at the same time, we're able to battle with, you know, there's a there's yeah. kind of a nearly two tiers within senior. There's yeah. the kind of top three, four teams and then there's the next tier down. And I think, you know, for a team to be able to establish themselves, you know, firstly maybe in that second tier and then to make a leap up then to the top tier, you do need you do need a couple of years of senior. And, like, there's absolutely no reason why a team can't do it after a couple of years of senior. So I, I would 100% agree that there, there should be a two-year rule or something along those lines. You were saying, you know, with the relegation, it depends what group you're in. You know, yes. Like, it really does depend what group you're in. You could be in a really, really difficult group and come bottom, but then you could find yourself the following year in a group that's possibly a little bit easier. You win your one match and you're safe. Yeah. So, you know, that system itself is, is very difficult. Um, Look at Donegal well, where they are, you know, well, that's, that's yeah, group, like, yeah. Donegal, yeah, Donegal could now, right, they're possibly looking at being Ulster champions and being in a relegation yeah. playoff, yeah. which brings the conversation up again of the, the provincials, um, which I'm still in favour of. But, yeah. you know, and for the reason, like, you know, Fiona, there was a few years there with, with Westmead and you really pushed Dublin as expected in Leinster finals and you could have won a Leinster. You know, so like you establish yourself and you just all it takes is one match to maybe change your whole trajectory as a, a middle team, as, as you said, you know. Yeah, I think I, I, I 100% agree with you there because, you know, we're kind of, we're biting at it like ourselves. Yeah. We just need that one victory to kind yeah. of maybe give us that push on. And um, I suppose, you know, for us, like the big thing for us is getting up into Division 1 football. Um, you know, that's given us the experience against the top teams. And I think, um, you know, Tipperary obviously already playing Division 1 football, so they, they have that experience. Um, but they're at intermediate level where they probably should be senior, yeah. you know. But I think, um, I think sometimes, yeah, that's it. Like, you just need, if you could just get that one big victory and, mm-hmm. you know, it might just help the team push on, in particular with ourselves, you know, we have pushed Dublin. Sometimes the scoreline doesn't reflect the, the you know, yeah. what the game has been. Um, and I think, um, you know, maybe there's not enough credit given to to, the, to these teams. You know, that just you know, you might have the results, but like I think the performances are still there. Like you know, in the league, um, we ran a lot of teams close, and I, I absolutely, like, yeah. yeah. They, you know, they they found the battles against us tough, and I suppose it's it's kind of it's hard when you're 
you know you're playing in senior and you know you're losing some games very well but at the same time you're you're in a lot of games you're and yeah. you kind of nearly feel like you have to justify to yourself you know we're not a bad team you know it's just there is just a big jump there like you know for from the top top two or three four teams you know and also in Tipperary's group Meade defeated Wicklow by 21 points Nadine in group one Kildare had a four point win over Sligo and big news coming out of Sligo last week uh, wasn't even mentioned when under the radar was their management team of John O'Hara and David Curran. They both stepped down. So they had a win against Down the previous weekend and, you know, people were expecting them to do all right, you know, stay up. But now back to square one and they're looking for a manager. Yeah, we would have, we would have tipped them to have overcome Kildare. Um, and I was really mm. surprised when I saw that because then, Obviously, this news with the management, that possibly explains a bit. Um, but if there's an issue with the management and the management are gone, would you not maybe up your game and get a result? Yeah. Um, I don't know. This is a kind of annual thing now. We might have a manager sacked midway through the year, every year. Um, so, I don't know. Look, Sligo, yeah, they might find it difficult now to get out of that group. They, they'll maybe be hoping for favours from other teams. Um, they probably will still get out. But, um, yeah, it's a strange situation. Um, midway through the season get yourself a manager good luck with that really I think you know it's going to be very difficult unless the players had somebody in mind themselves um, you don't know you just don't know the politics I suppose of teams yeah. but in fairness still there fair play to them they obviously put in a big shift um, got their goals and you know, we've always said it and we said it in the show, there's brilliant structures in Kildare yeah. underage and that talent's really starting to come through and fair play to them and they're looking like, you know, going by results, it's looking like they probably will top that group, so so fair play to Kildare. Yeah, down beat Limerick. Um, you said, Nadine, that Clare would defeat Leash and they did bounce back from their opening day defeat to Wexford to beat Leash 4-13 to 1-12. Yeah, um, expected them to bounce back. I'm glad they did, because I said before, I like watching Claire, and I really hope they do get to the latter stages of this. Um, Nevo Day, I think she got 1-7 or something, like class player. You could actually just watch her play football all day. Um, defensively for Claire, though, you'd still worry about them. Like, yeah. I've been conceding high scores, not another 1-12 um, against Leash. And again, they probably should have been winning more comfortably. Um, disappointing for Leash, you know, again, they're possibly looking at going down another grade to junior like they could easily find themselves now in a relegation playoff um, unless they pull off a miracle against Wexford next week um, but you know again Leash no more than Monaghan you don't like to see these traditionally strong you don't like to see any team I suppose in that situation but you know a team like Leash possibly looking at junior football um, it's, it's disappointing Yeah and then Roscommon had a good win over Offaly Fiona, you mentioned, you know, Westmead when they were promoted to senior football and then you gained promotion to Division 1 2017. You've kept your place there. You have been competitive. Yeah, I, I think our first year, you know, Division 1, maybe we, we did struggle a bit. Yeah. But it all kind of came down to um, our last game against um, Kerry um, and we, we luckily enough won that one to stay up, um, which was huge for us. That was really our aim, I suppose, at the start of the year as well this year. We started the league off with a victory over Monaghan and I suppose it, it kind of settled us down a bit and we were kind of able to just relax and take, take each game as it came then. We, you know, we had a bit of, a bit of buffer. But, um, I, I suppose, yeah, like, I mean, we, you know, we ran, we ran Dublin quite close, um, out in DCU. Um, you know, there was a couple, you know, I suppose Galway and Cork were probably just who fed us quite well, but bar that, you know, we were pretty much in all the other games and I think, as I said before, like, sometimes just you know, one one big yeah. victory might just help tip that team over. So, um, you know, I'm 
like gunning already to get back to Division One football next year and um, you know see see what more experience. You know, we have a lot of young players coming up, and I suppose when I started, you know, we were playing Division Four, so yeah. it was a bit easier for me to kind of slot in. Whereas you know they're going straight into Division One football, and you know, in fairness, they're making the transition quite well. So with each year, you know they're going to get another year's experience and hopefully, you know, that will help bring the team on and, um, you know, to kind of make that push. You mentioned young players and it's great to see, you know, at underage level, counties like Westmeath, Longford are there and competing and like at the minor B final, Leinster final this year was between Longford and Westmeath. It was great to see them and it's not just being kept to the bigger counties. Yeah, I think that that's vitally important because, you know, success breeds success and I suppose, you know, when those young players are, you know, get to play in Leinster finals, be it an A, B or C final, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It's a final and they're gaining the big, you know, the big occasion experience and they're getting, I suppose, that winning feeling, you know. Um, and then I suppose it's a good news story within the county if they if they are victorious, um, you know, and that kind of, you know, helps bring on the juvenile players underage, you know, under 12, under 14. I suppose the more the more exposure all all counties, and I'm not just talking with me, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, all the divisions they have now minor level like ABCs you know there's yeah. like bronze finals I don't know there's a whole new tier to it I don't understand but I, I think it's brilliant because it's given everyone that opportunity to you know be playing these big occasions and it is a big deal and especially for you know you lose a lot of players at that age you know from 15 to 18 and you know I think having all the, the different divisions at underage level now has really really helped them bring it on and you know it doesn't matter if Westmead win a B C or B final there's still a great crop of players in that team and a lot of them will make the transition up to senior and that's that's what's going to help teams like us, you know, help help us keep keep us up senior, make that step. You're from one of the, you know, the smaller counties, let's say, in ladies football, even though you are Division 1 and playing senior. How do you find the coverage of Westmead ladies? I know from a journalist's point of view, apart from county boards doing Twitter or Facebook or whatever, when you're playing in the lower divisions or in the intermediate or junior, very little coverage, you know, and very little, it's very hard to get information. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I mean, obviously we, we don't mm. play football for coverage, you know, yeah. well, we don't do much read anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do find, of course, and it's a natural thing, like the coverage will mainly go to the, the top teams mm. that have, you know, the, the, the brilliant players, you know, the star players. Um, I, I do feel, you know, we don't get, I suppose, a whole lot of credit for what we do. And mm. I kind of nearly find myself explaining to people, you know, who aren't familiar with ladies football, yeah. you know, some of them work or whatever, like, oh, well, we're actually, you know, you know, top maybe eight, nine, ten in the country. And, you, you know, you have to kind of justify it to yourself, like, and justify mm. them because, you know, they wouldn't really know much about Wesley football, whereas, you know, they can reel off the Cork go in double yeah. straight away. Um, you know, but I, I, I just well remember one instance in particular. Um, I think we were in Division Two final a couple of years ago, and um, our captain at the time was being interviewed. And uh, I think we had been beaten well enough by Dublin in the Leinster final um, the previous year. And the question was, oh well, you know, um, do you even want to be in Division One? I mean, you lost heavily to Dublin last year, and you know that that really that really got me because that was arrogant, like, yeah. You know, I mean, the the whole reason we wanted to get to Division 1 was so we wouldn't be beaten so heavily by Dublin. So, you know, I, when you kind of hear stuff like that, it just kind of, it, it maybe shows a massive understanding for, like, you know, we, we work just as hard as any of the other teams, you know, and we, look, we're a small county, as you said, and, you know, we run a certain number of clubs, but, we, you know, we do the best of what we can. Yeah. And I suppose, 
as I mentioned earlier, like, you know, when younger kids kind of see or hear about your county team doing well, you know, I remember when we won the Intermediate All-Ireland in 2011, like, the buzz in the county, like, you know, it couldn't believe the amount of young girls that were out. And, you know, they were just so into it. And I think, you know, that helped lift the county. And even Milltown, one of the clubs in our county, won the yeah. All-Ireland Intermediate a couple of years ago. And, like, little things like that, like, they do spur on the whole thing. So I, I, I think it's just really, really important, you know, for, for all, all teams. And I'm not just talking about us. I mean, junior, yeah. intermediate, senior. You know, it, 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 of course, it's, there's a natural tendency to give, you know, your Dublins and Corks all the coverage. But, you know, I think it's important, you know, to help, help spur it on within, within each county to give as much coverage as possible. So, um, yeah, I'd say probably not as much as we'd mm. like. But, you know, again, that's, that's not why we play, but it, it does help the county, I suppose. 2020. 2020, exactly. How are you? How are you finding that, or have you seen, you know, much of a difference? Oh yeah, no. I mean, I, I think it's it's a brilliant campaign, mm. and you, you genuinely can see the difference. And you know, I kind of have say people who wouldn't be familiar with female sport that mention it to me and say, mm. oh, I heard about this campaign, and you know, and things like you know, I suppose you know. It was Dublin senior men's footballers wearing it on their jerseys, you know. Yeah. That again, they have such exposure, and so if people see, oh, what's that 2020? You know, people who might not have heard of it, that's also spurring interest there. But I, I think, oh, it can only do great that campaign, like you know, and the fact that it's not just you know, like it's not just ladies' like it's all female sports within the country. I think it's brilliant, it really. Is. We mentioned about coverage, Nadine. Attendances has been a huge topic and something that I've noticed in the games over the last two weekends. One reason was, I was told, um, was the price admission. I know for the Longford Wicklow game, the first round of the intermediate, 15 euro was the cost in. Now it was 15 euro into Tullamore for the Leinster quarter final when Longford played Kildare. And it was actually two, a double header in both games. Um, was me and Leisha playing the first day and then the following weekend, Longford were playing awfully in the minor before the senior game. But I know you don't mind playing into matches, but 15 euro for one game in the intermediate, it's a bit steep enough. Yeah, it's tight enough now. And suppose you factor into that as well, you're travelling to the yeah. game and see if you're petrol or your diesel, food. Um, you know, if you're bringing a family, yeah. big expense for the whole family. Um, and then the other side of it is, you know, there's yeah the cost of it, and then it's sort of a double-edged sword, really, because you, a lot of the matches now they're televised. Like TG Cahar have extended the coverage this year, which is brilliant. Um, you know, definitely promotes the game. But then you ask yourself, is it affecting numbers? You have the live streaming as well, which has been great. Um, but yeah, it's a bit of a double-edged sword exposure for the game, hitting a wider audience. But then you do have the implications that people aren't attending because, you know, they can watch it on their devices or they can watch it at home. And people are busy these days. Like, and I know it's a real general statement, but like people are really busy and the world is very busy. So you could have somebody just deciding, well, look, at, instead of a take, taking the guts of six, seven hours out of my day to go and see a match, I have it on my phone or on the TV for an hour and a half. So, you know, there's a few more factors. Maybe, you know, some people who, aren't huge football fans but they might go to the odd match they might just look at it and go oh look it's going to be a one-sided result mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to pay 15 euro in to see you know Cork let's say hammer somebody else I can watch it on TV um, and you know looking at a good few of the matches this weekend that that was the case there were big big wins for a lot of teams so yeah and as well this weekend you know you know, looking at attendance this weekend I did watch the Donegal match yeah. Um Myself on TV didn't seem like a huge crowd or didn't sound like a huge crowd. It was a big weekend of sport too. Like you had the minor semi-finals, 
you had Camogie Championship, you had the Super 8, um, which a lot of, like Donegal, yeah. obviously, you know, a lot of men, team Kerry and so on, they were in it, you had the golf, like, is there too much to compete with at times? Um, and then, as you already mentioned, it's disappointing because of the 2020 campaign. Yeah. And, you know, it's so prolific, it's so high profile in the media. So, yeah, it is disappointing, but I, I wouldn't blame the LGFA. I think they're doing all they can. Um, do you change it? No disrespect to Westmead GA and, uh, you know, Mullingar is a great venue. But did you not think, I know it was for the cameras, you know, bringing Donegal and Tyrone down to Mullingar? Well, I, th- I think it is a lot of it now. And this is me. I'm, I'm just, you know. You're talking as a supporter, um, really. Yeah. It, it, I think a lot of it is TG Cahar. It's filming and it's, you know, suitable stadiums. I, I listened to an interview from Maxi Kern, actually the Donegal manager with the local radio station at home, and he maintained that they only found out about the change a couple of days beforehand, that it was meant to be a home game for them. Um, look, if you're going to be on TV, you're going to have to travel. Mm. They always seem to try and have it central. Like, it's generally Tullamore, Mullingar, you know, it's generally those pitches. Um I don't know the solution. I do think the price is a bit extortionate and I don't know if that goes to county boards. I don't know if it goes to LGFA. I don't know who or what it goes to, but I think that it is a bit much. Like considering I went to Crow Park yesterday and it was only 25 quid for two matches, two matches in Crow Park. Yeah. In Crow Park as yeah. well, you know. So it's, it's a tricky one. It's disappointing because you'd feel that with all this work being put in, all the promotion, the 2020, all the rest, you would have expected attendances to maybe soar a bit. Mm. I think the big test is going to be for the All-Ireland semi-final, yeah. the double headers in Crow Park. Park yeah. I think that's going to be a really good indication as to where the whole thing is at in terms of, um, you know, attending games. So we'll see. Fiona, I know for players, they don't really kind of listen to what's happening on the sidelines or apart from what the managers are shouting in at them and instructions, but, you know, supporters and that. But how does it feel for you playing somewhere where there's very few people at, you know, it's like it's an empty venue? Yeah, I mean, I, I, used to, I kind of just very used to it. Probably used to, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 like, as in, you know, we have our usuals, you know, and they know who they are, all the games and... But um, you know, I mean, look, I, it doesn't it doesn't really phase me too much. I mean, you know, I, I compare it to I suppose when we were in Co Park in 2011, the other final. I mean, you know, there was a massive crowd there. But at the end of the day, when we were on the pitch playing it, you weren't even thinking about it. Yeah. You know, so I suppose you know, of course, like we'd love to have great crowds and I know you know the buzz that like you know a game when there is a good crowd like you know if you're the county final or whatever and you know there's a significant crowd it is a good buzz especially you know if you're on a winning team but um, yeah I, I suppose similar to what Nadine was saying I'm, I'm kind of intrigued now as to how the All-Ireland semi-finals will go um, because you know we saw such a huge attendance at the All-Ireland final last year but I think was possibly the the semi-final last year was a triple header. I think there might have been an intermediate and two senior and there was only a couple of thousand at it. Yeah. There's 52,000. So um, I wonder now when the venue change to Crow Park um, bring bring out the crowds. It'd be very interesting to see. Um, Depends on teams or in the finals and semi-finals because a lot of supporters do tend to support their men's teams. So if it's Donegal or if it's Tyrone or if it's something like that, you know, they're going to have, well, do you know, we're up again next week or up again the week. You know, which one are we going to choose? 
Yeah, it, it definitely is a factor. But I think, uh, you know, in fairness, I think a lot of, a lot of these hens, that's mm. the ladies that are in finals, they like to folks that bring up, you know, the yes. girls to go and watch. And I, I think that's what it's going to be. Um, you know, and it, it, it's, it's up to, you know, the people in the clubs from the counties that are in the semifinals, you know, and I'm pretty sure if they know there's a, a day out in Crow Park, and especially, you know, you know, given it's semi-finals, there might be a couple of teams there that you know wouldn't necessarily have played Crow Park in a while, so there will yeah. be a novelty to it. So I, I, I do think you know the, the attendance should, should definitely increase, and you know because it, it, it is a great day out for the kids uh, for the young clubs. So um, you know, hopefully, hopefully that'll pay off. And I think on on those big Crow Park days, you have a huge cohort of people who are based in Dublin, and they might necessarily be GA fans as such, but they'd be sports fans. And they tend to go to the matches, um, so that's always a big plus, and it probably brings in a couple of more thousand. But uh, just going back to what Fiona was saying there, you know, about getting used to playing with basically nobody at, at games. Um, it's terrible that I suppose as female athletes, that is what you do become accustomed to, and you do become used to. It. Mm. But um, we used to always, and Fiona will know this because she, we would have played against each other at club. Um, my club team, we would have had one parent in particular I, I leave the parent unnamed but people don't know who she was and no matter where you were playing you got a full running commentary of the match and it was all well and good until your name was part of the running commentary if you weren't playing well <laughs> and you might be you might hear your name and you'd be basically she'd be ushering the management team to take you off or it was it was quite entertaining now but um, that's probably one of the low sides of being able to hear everything at a ladies football match if somebody like that can understand which shouldn't be the way. Fiona, you were on about different clubs bringing supporters to the matches. And what I've noticed now, and, you know, Leinster's done it for the finals, and I know Ashley Cleary, the Leinster Piero, put an awful lot of work into it, was having different teams down to play at half time. And there was a gang of girls down from Longford who played. And I've noticed even now at our club games in Longford, the men's games, they're doing this now at half time. And for children, like, I know those little children from Granard under eight the other night. It was an All-Ireland final for them, getting a chance to be at halftime. It was only a club game in the club grounds. So you can imagine if we start pushing that and trying to get children and just giving them the chance, the experience um, of going to Crow Park and also the experience of supporting your county because there is something special about, you know, myself and yourself, Fiona, we wouldn't be like Donegal that have many highs when I'm from Longford yeah. and you're from Westmead. But there is something special, especially when your team is running out in Crow Park. Yeah, and I actually, like, in fairness, like, even from our side of it, um, playing in the Leinster final, uh, the fact that there were so many teams there this year, you know, playing the halftime game, yeah. it did create a good buzz in the stadium. You know, there was a decent crowd at the Leinster final this year, and, like, you could definitely sense, you know, the, you know, the, we ran out of the pitch and there was kids run, like, lined up beside us and all. But, like, you know, I think it definitely created a really good buzz as well for the whole occasion. And, of course, for those kids, you know, you know, they're watching, you know, um, the girls they look up down the field and they're getting to play then themselves at half time and, and mirrors you know it's 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 brilliant and I think Leinster GA did or LGFA did really really well um, this year and I think uh, the last couple of years you know and it, it definitely adds to the occasion so I, I think initiatives like that are, are really really good yeah Last week we spoke uh, about Mick Bohan when he wants the provincials to be scrapped you're one of the teams that is in Leinster it's just yourself and Dublin how would you feel about that? Yeah, look, I can see where Mick Bowen is coming from 100%, but um, at the other side of it, you know, had we won that Leinster a couple of weeks ago, yeah. you wouldn't have seen me for a week, you know, it would have <laughs> meant so much to us. 
to win that final, you know. Yep. If I was to retire tomorrow having won a Leinster Senior Championship, I'd be happy, you know, never mind in All-Ireland, I'd be delighted with Leinster. You know, that genuinely means so much, and I'm sure it means just as much to the Dublin players. Yeah. Um, I guess the point of mixed making is, you know, there's there's two teams sitting in Leinster, there's two teams sitting in Connacht, yeah. you know. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's a hard one to know what the right or wrong approach to, to it is, but I, I, I wouldn't agree with, you know, abolishing the provincial championships, yeah. but, uh, you know, perhaps, you know, I mean, in fairness, the championship has been revamped last year where we now have these four groups of three teams, which, yeah. you know, for us is great because we're guaranteed another two games after we've lent the final, um, if we don't win it. But, um, you know, maybe is it a case that you merge it into like two groups of six teams where there's more games? You know, there's probably, yeah. you know, a couple of things that could be looked at. Because, you know, your league generally finishes up early May and, you know, for us, we didn't yeah. have a game there until the end of June. So, you know, it's, it, we don't want to gap ourselves, you know, and in fairness, it's, you know, there's reasons for that as well. There's college exams and stuff, you know, you kind of do need a little bit of a gap, but maybe, you know, we could kind of push the, the All-Ireland Championship fixtures, you know, forward a bit more and um, you, you could probably compact the provincial championships in a couple of weeks rather than giving a month for them. So uh, there's probably a couple of things that could be done around it. I wouldn't agree with abolishing them, mm. but uh, perhaps, you know, you could change the structures or something, else. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nadine, apart from the poor attendances over the weekend, was there anything that you saw or, you know, something football-wise or whatever that you thought you might want to bring up? Yeah, well, last week I suppose we looked at where we were critical of referees in terms of um, extra time and injury time and so on that's been played when there's the absence of the the countdown clock. Um, and I have to I say, really sorry, a referee actually messaged me, listened to it, was delighted right. with, with it. And he was saying that normally what they do is, and I meant to say this, um, about 30 seconds for a sub. So therefore in Longford, there was about five, about six, six or more subs. So one minute played in Longford where there was uh, about six subs, a water break as well, and Longford on the attack. So, you know, he thought it was a bit strange, but... Um, Go on, we we're kind of siding on the referees now, but listen, the thing about yeah, it is no, constructive criticism. A, yeah, yeah, but we're, we're, I suppose we are always, well, referees are there, I suppose, to be questioned. That's, you know, they, they fair play to them and they put themselves probably in the most visible part of a Gaelic match, um, and we're always going to pick them out. Mm. But I, I felt this week, um, not even, I suppose, going on the referees' performances, I just felt in some matches you could, um, visibly see and you could audibly hear reactions from management teams on the sideline, um, bordering the point of petulance. Um, I mean, we saw the cabin manager was sent off there last week. Um, he wasn't allowed on the pitch this week for, um, I suppose, his remonstrations towards the referee. We saw Anya Sullivan from Cork a couple of weeks ago. She got a straight red um, for how she spoke to, to the ref. Um, even Fiona's Leinster final, you could actually see and hear again on the on the you know the highlights, yeah. people roaring at the ref. Um, you know, so I feel we do give them a hard time, but I think they get a hard time back. And I just, I just thought this weekend in particular, it was really obvious. And I suppose when you see management or you hear management verbally demonstrating to a referee, it creeps into the players as well. Um, they might feel that they have a right then to to verbally abuse the ref. And at the end of the day, it doesn't do you any favours because if you have a manager in the sideline screaming at the ref, I don't think that ref <laughs> fair enough as all well as they want to be. But if there's 50-50 decisions, I don't think they're going to side with the management team who are giving the base on the sideline. So I just thought that was really apparent um, and something that you don't really want to see creeping into the ladies' game because 
So then men's, you know, it is, well, it doesn't really happen anymore yeah. because a lot of the managers, I suppose, sit in the, in the in the stand. But yeah, it was just really, really apparent, I felt, and it was disappointing. Yeah, I suppose Fiona, we do get um, annoyed or we do get frustrated and it's very easy to get frustrated on a football field or for a manager. But I think, you know, Nadine is right. There is a difference in kind of shouting up, you know, blah, 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 referee and just constantly and everything. My dad was talking to uh, a referee who does both men's and ladies and they said they would prefer doing the men's games because the bench, the management are... um, you know, they're they're far less vocal to them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it depends. Yeah, I mean, I, I prefer to know. I haven't actually come across a whole lot of it coming from manager myself. Um, and Sean, no, I was going to say that Sean Finnegan is likes to talk, but uh, he wouldn't be like that. Yeah, but but um, no, I, I mean, I, I think it's 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 a fair point. I mean. Management shouldn't really be trying to influence the referee. I mean, of course, yeah, as we say, like there'll be moments where people get frustrated, and you know they might let a shout out. But uh, this kind of consistent, um, you know, trying to, I suppose, you know, change the referee's mind yes. or influence them or whatever it is, it's it's not really on. Um, from a player perspective, one thing I've actually genuinely noticed this year is um, an increase in ticks for um, people giving out to the refs. You know, um, in the game yesterday, a number of girls got ticks for um, mouthing at the refs, um, which is probably right. You know, um, I think. You know, people get frustrated, of course, but, um, you know, the referees trying to do their best to control the game. So, obviously, they are trying to clamp down on it um, because this was maybe they see it as an emerging trend that the referees are getting too much abuse or something. So, uh, you know, now now there's punishment to be given first. So, um, maybe it's like, I don't know how that applies to the management. I mean, mm. obviously, the men in the cabin manager got sent off, but um, the players in the picture are definitely getting, um, getting punishment first. Yeah, I suppose Nadine as well, if there was something that maybe, you know, if there was a decision that a manager would be able to go to a referee after a game and just say, yes, and what was that decision for? And, and I'm sure the referees would allow it. And, you know, if they had a better kind of maybe understanding um, both of, you know, what it's like to be a manager and also what it's like to be a referee, because I know some referees are kind of like to, se- like to be the centre of attention. But as you said, some of the abuse can be just a bit OTT. Yeah, um, I mean, we've all got to put my own hand up. I would have definitely said something to ref as a coach or Never. as a player, but but <laughs> but just this consistent, consistent roaring and screaming, yeah. like it's it's embarrassing, and the ref is not going to change their mind. Um, Mick Bowen came out after was it after the league semi final against Cork, um, publicly criticising the ref. Um, and, you know, that was fair enough. He felt they were hard done by. He felt that there wasn't a clear understanding of the tackle. Um, he wanted an explanation from that referee. Um, you know, I suppose he's entitled to come out in the media and say that and ask for it. Um, it's very clearly written in the rules how to dispossess a player. Um, and what I noticed is creeping in as well is, um, the surrounding of the player when they're on the ground. Yes. Um, and it's very much a, it's a big feature of, was the men's game of tackling the men's game but like there's nowhere that's basically blocking a player's path on the pitch which is illegal like and you can't dispossess somebody by doing that but all of a sudden now refs are calling it for over carrying which I really hate to see that because I feel yeah okay you've done really well you've got players around the ball but you're blocking the player's path and you haven't made any attempt to dispossess them um, look refs 
and managers have an empathy towards each other. I'm sure every ref has coached at some point in a club or, you know, they've brought their kids to train and every ref is involved in a GA club. So I think they know what it's like to be, you know, a manager on the side and you know what it's like to be frustrating. The problem is there's just, as you said, different styles of refereeing, mm. no more than there's different styles of management. Um, it's, I suppose, different refs interpret different matches in different ways. Some of them might feel, look, there's two physical teams here who are well matched. We let the game flow. Um, it's just inconsistency and it is really frustrating, but it's across, I feel, every GA, you know, code, men's, women's. Um, and it can be frustrating for a manager, but look, you just have to accept that a ref isn't going to change their mind and no. you just have to try and get on with it. And that's really, you know, that's what it boils down to. I think you're on about different referees and I'm just thinking back to a funny story of a recent game I was at. It was actually the Kavanagh Armagh game and uh, the Lions person, I think, wants to have a, a name for themselves, give out to two players. And the two players were what? And she's like, I'm watching you, I'm watching you. And the two girls were like only talking. Even the fourth official said the girls were having a great own natter. Yeah, like the two girls on the pitch. The yeah, two yeah, the two yeah, opponents like, were having yeah. it. The ball was up the other end. And I was laughing. I was like, Jesus Christ, you think this is an intercounty. And the girls were like, what, what, what? And both benches were like, what the hell? Yeah, like stuff like, there's silliness, like there's silliness across there is, everything, yeah. I suppose, and, and that is, it's, it's, you know, generally the refereeing is of a decent standard. I do think it could definitely improve across the board, you know, 100%. There's no doubt with that. Um, but, you know, the, the, G, the LGFA are obviously tapping into this, um, chatting back and management on the sideline because they had that campaign there last week. And I don't yeah, I've seen it. Instagram. I'm a, you know, I'm a referee. Yeah. I'm a, yeah, yeah. So they're obviously tapping into it. They obviously want to stamp it out. But it's just, it's such a shame that when you, there is a match on TV, there isn't a massive crowd and you can hear voices really clearly. Um, and that's what you hear and that's what you see. It's just really disappointing. Man. It's kind of embarrassing as well. Maybe they should get the crowd. Remember they used to have the crowds in Big Brother? Uh, to turn out the noise so maybe I think TG Cat or oh, yeah, some yeah. of them would have to do that Fiona would you ever uh, which would you prefer to go into management or refereeing yeah I, I'd probably go for uh, go for management yeah because I think uh, the rest refs got a lot of a lot of abuse uh, on those other managers as well but um, yeah no I'd, I'd probably go for managers or referees tell you Nadine for the next two weekends Donegal and Mayo are going to hate the sight of each other massive game this weekend and we're going to talk about it because it has so much repercussions and especially with that group being so tight uh, Mayo and Donegal Yeah, um, like I've said already about the scoring difference, it can literally go mm. any what way um, you know Mayo are probably slight favourites I'd I feel just considering both teams' performances against Tyrone, um, Mayo stepped up to the plate when questions were asked Donegal tried, you know, their best on the day, but, you know, came up short. I think Donegal will need huge improvements. Um, and I'd say the camp's quite low after Saturday. Um, you know, Donegal won the corresponding league fixture. Yeah. They were playing a better brand of football. So, look, if they go back to that brand of football or even introduce a bit more kicking, I feel they're definitely in with the chance because Sterling's so hard to mark. Like, she really, really is. And if they just give her the ball early, um, you know, they're in with the shout. They'd have to you know, monitor the Kellys, Rachel Cairns. Like, Mayo are very dangerous themselves. Yeah. Rachel Cairns has been racking up huge scores. And if there, you know, is a chink in Donegal's armour, it probably is defensively. I thought they were very sloppy for, you know, basics there on Saturday. So, look, if Donegal get the basics right, they get the confidence back, they play their kicking game, um, 
they're definitely with a chance. And look, I'm going to back them. They're my home county, and I really hope they just show that composure and belief that was very much absent against Tyrone, but that's definitely present in that camp. Um, so, yeah. Fiona, you can sit on the fence and you can uh, you can give your verdict. Like, I suppose, you know, it's kind of easy to say, oh, yeah, I agree with everything Nadine said, but I do, like, this game is it's going to be hard to call if Donegal go back to the football that they were playing earlier on. And as Nadine said, Jordy McLaughlin, when you have a, a forward like that, just give her the ball. Yeah, I mean, she she's caused us many, many nightmares <laughs> every year. She's a phenomenal player, I mean, and she can just get goals out of nowhere. So, you know, she really is key for them. Um, but, you know, at the same time, Mayo can target that and, yeah. you know, try to take her out the game as much as possible. I mean, it's going to be an absolutely brilliant game. Uh, you know, ultimately, Donegal are Ulster champions and, you know, Mayo are flying, you know, they ran Galway very, very close to Connick. So, um, you know, it could really, really go either way. So it's, it's going to be a very interesting weekend on and Fiona, you, you played under Peter Lee. He obviously with that, that great Westmead team in, in 2011. You know, what, what way do you think he's going to be motivating that, that Mayo camp this week? Or, you know, what's he going to be saying? What are they, what's he going to be doing with them? Look, you know, I suppose Peter um, always encourages us to play, to play hard and tough. And that's what's going to happen, you know. Um, you know, they'll, they'll uh, work very, very hard in defence. But, uh, you know, they have some great forwards in there. Then once they get the ball up quick, you know, to the Kellys and Sarah and the likes, you know, they can ping off their scores. But, you know, you, we've played them in a couple of challenges, you know, over the last year or two. And, you know, they're they're very tough and very, very strong. So, you know, they'll they'll battle hard and, you know, they'll they'll be really riled up and they'll really want to win this game. So, you know, he'll, he'll get them going, you know, uh, definitely. So. No disrespect to Monaghan or Armagh. Uh, Dublin take on Monaghan. Armagh face Cork. Um, both teams basically um, have one foot in the quarterfinals. And I suppose, girls, you're both seeing Dublin and Cork winning those games. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Cork and Dublin are, you know, they're, they're both flying. Um, you know, we saw Cork against Cavan there at the weekend. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be tough for Armagh, but, you know, I suppose they've everything to play for, you mm. know, if they want to avoid risk of relegation, you know, so you can't, you can't ever write anyone off that case. And, you know, Mana had a weekend against Waterford, so um, it's going to be hard for them to pick themselves up and, uh, and face, you know, the all Ireland champions, um, you know, Dublin are kind of starting to pick themselves up now again, you know, they're getting going, so yeah. um, they, they want to, you know, they're, they're, there's a lot, of, a lot of players in that panel that want to play on the team as well, so they'll all be fighting hard, so, um, yeah, it's be a very good performance in Dublin. Nadine, Westmead are away to Kerry, so we let Fiona sit this one out. <laughs> um, yeah, probably, I suppose, no more than Mayo and Donegal. This one has huge significance as well. You have basically a relegation quarterfinal play, playoff, so much at stake. Um, going on results against Galway and simply by going on that, you know, Kerry probably have to go in a slight favourite. Um Westmead, though, look, if Westmead improve on that tally of 1-3 and they take take their chances, um, they'll definitely have a chance. Um, I think there's probably more pressure on the Westmead forwards to, to stand up and really deliver. The potential's there. You know, Westmead, direct running Fiona and Johanna Marr and players like that. Um, if they run direct at the Kerry defence, as we saw the Kerry defence, you know, in the league final, it was a bit of a shambles, so there are holes there to be picked at. Um, I think the... The Kerry full forward line is probably their strongest. You know, you have Young O'Donoghue and Nick Murray Hurtig. And it was when they went off, I think both of them got injured against Kerry just after half time or they went off very early anyway. 
and that's when Kerry did, or Galway, sorry, did yeah. the damage. So look, I just feel if Westmead, and I really hope, I really hope for Westmead that if they find that form that they brought to the Leinster final, which was a brilliant performance, and, and I wasn't surprised by it. Um, and if the team is disciplined and they've no Simbins, and I just think if they follow the game plan, have direct runners at Kerry, I think they have a great, great chance to win it. And I really, really hope that, that Westmead do it. Um, you know, they beat Kerry, as Fiona said already, I know yeah. it was two years ago, but it was an equally important fixture. It was an all or Set nothing. Up, yeah. And Westmead, yeah, and Westmead had the battle to do it that day. So if they bring that and that drive and, and that football, then, then they'll beat Kerry. I, I suppose Fiona as well. It's away from from home, and a lot of the teams kind of like this. Kind of they have a bit more freedom, and it's actually in Fitzgerald Stadium, which is great for yourselves. Yeah, yeah, I just saw that there today. So um, you know, obviously, um, it just shows you know the the respect that the fixtures getting. Yeah. You know, it is it is a very big game uh, for both ourselves and Kerry. You know, um, Kerry will be disappointed that they didn't um, win the Division Two final. You know, so they've they've some prove, and you know, I think they were. Like, in great form against Galway the last day you know obviously the results they had versus our results you know sells a few things but you know at the end of the day look it's, there's going to be two teams as you, there's a lot at stake you know a quarter final spot or a relegation playoff you know it's so it's huge for both of us um, so look it'll be a good game and we're looking forward to it we move on to the intermediate uh, Nadine Kildare against down down one at the weekend um, Kildare had a good win over Sligo Kildare doing well in the intermediate and I, you know, they should win that game. Yeah, they should. Um, but they have two wins, and as we said, a really good win against Sligo. Should be backed up with the win here, and they'll tap the group. And look down, you would say, are close enough to being safe. Um, so yeah, Kildare to win that. Yeah, and um, Leitrim, awfully, that's going to be an interesting game, because uh, yeah. whoever comes bottom, obviously, you know, are in the relegation. So both teams suffered really heavy defeats to Common. Athlete had a poor league campaign, mm. relegated from Division 3. Then you had Leitrim already in Division 4 and they found themselves way outside of the Division 4 playoff yeah. places. So yeah, look, they're two teams in precarious situations. Um, Athlete probably had a slightly better first round performance and seemed to have a wee bit more momentum yeah. behind them. They, Even though, look, you know, they, they didn't, they, they got relegated in the league but they had some good league performances mm. you know remember when we were analysing throughout the league they were yeah, there thereabouts about, yeah. Um, yeah and look at maybe Shane Lowry's win there yesterday <laughs> might inspire them to, to kick on this weekend and, and get that win Fiona um, Wicklow took on Tipperary and I just pray for any team that plays Tip at the moment you know you see what they've done to Meath and I think Longford knew that they were going to do much the same if not worse to them at the weekend and that's what happened it's going to be very tough for Wicklow Yeah I mean uh, Wicklow and Longford drew themselves so I think you know Wicklow I suppose compared themselves to Longford in that mm. sense um, you know they, they know they have a, a, big, a big game ahead of them this weekend but I suppose you know, in some senses, there's motivation for Wicklow there to try and reduce the scoring deficit. And um, you know, for the finish ahead of Longford in the group, I'm not sure exactly what way the the tie would work if they if they finish 11 points. But uh, I'm sure a lower score difference would help. So look, you know, it's 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 you know a mammoth task for Wicklow. But look, you know, they'll go in and you know they'll they'll give it their all. Um, and you know, I suppose for Tipperary side of it, you know, they they want to build the confidence yeah. as well. You know, going for the All Ireland win. So um, yeah. 
Uh, Meath are at home to Longford as well at the weekend. Um, Meath defeated Wicklow. And uh, as you said, you know, for Longford and Wicklow, it's a case of the scoring difference. So Longford will need to contain Meath. Now, they did that for most of the part against them in the league. And then in the league semi-final, it was just that um, they, they got goals and Longford missed chances. So it's going to be a huge game for, for Longford at the weekend. Yeah, um, like you said, look, it's all down to score difference and Longford probably have the easier task than Wicklow in terms of battling against a big score. Um, I would expect me to win it mm. and Longford to probably stay up by the skin of their teeth. Fiona, she's been great now to all our teams, so uh, fingers crossed now. <laughs> Nadine, you were also saying about um, at the weekend with games, you know, Waterford came out about the Camogie and we had a big story on um, Waterford Camogie and a Meath player had to uh, play football and then Camogie. Yeah, um, a dual player. Luckily, both games were in Ashburn. Well, yeah. luckily or unluckily for her because she didn't really... She didn't have to pick one over the other. So she would have played the football at like three o'clock and then I think the camogie was at five. Um, Look, we come back to it every single year. I just don't understand if it's politics, if whatever it is. I just don't understand how this is still happening. Uh, What I also didn't understand this weekend was the minor semi-finals being played the same weekend as senior championship matches. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Monaghan were heavily affected with that. Um... And I'm sure plenty of other teams throughout the country um, were missing at least one or two players um, from their squad. So, you know, that's disappointing that that's happening. But then again, look, you have club championship to fit in. You have yeah. your, you know, you have so much going on. But it's just such a shame that at the top level, players are having to play two matches um, or choose, like um, one of the Waterford players had to do last week, choose between either code. So it's disappointing. Fiona, Wexford, um are just going along nicely. Uh, they won their first game. They're playing Leash this weekend. Um, you'd expect them to win this game, top the group and make the quarterfinals. Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll obviously be um, rolling off the, mm. the Leinster victory. So I, I I think, you know, they could be one of the teams that could put the challenge up yeah. to Tipperary this year. So I suppose, you know, as you say, they're kind of, you know, going about their business in the group. You know, they've leashed this weekend, so they're just going to take each game as it comes. But, uh, you know, I, I'd probably predict Wexford to win that game all right in top mm. of the group. Um, and that puts them in a good position. You know, they'll be aiming to get to an all-around final. Yeah. So, you know... This is just the steps there to get it. So you know it'll be. I suppose. I suppose they have confidence after that. Uh, after that victory. So um, you know, hopefully they can push on then this weekend. Sligo to go on Limerick. We don't know if Sligo will have a new manager in place before then. Both teams lost at the weekend. Both teams know how important a victory is. Yeah, um, I suppose. Look, Limerick, they've been gallant in their performances, in mm. fairness to them, in the championship to date. But I just think that step up to intermediate, it's just been a little bit tough for them. Um, must win for Sligo. Pressure is definitely on to win and progress from this group. I think they will do it. But I'm not sure how their season um, is going to go on from here, considering, you know, with management issues and, and so on probably issues between players and county boards and whatnot. so I'm not sure how long Sligo Summer will be after um, this weekend and we've also two games in the junior Louth who a bit like Tipperary look to be hot favourites to win the junior but you can never write off a team from Ulster Louth take on London and Antrim take on Fermanagh 
Um, yeah, so I think I've lied back for um, the junior. They're my, mm. my team for the junior, so I'm not going to go against them on this. Um, London, I suppose I put my hand up. I know very little about London. Um, you know, they always seem to have quite a transient mm. team. You have players coming and going each year. Um, they're always relatively competitive, in fairness to them. Um, and I just saw that the All-Britain Youth Games, they took place there last weekend. Um, the LGFA had a heavy presence from, from here. Um, so it's great to see that, look, London are looking ahead to the future. Their underage structures are still going. They have development squads, I think, at under-16 and minor level. So, look, I'd say London will, will get another junior title in the next couple of years, but but allow to win that match and, and win the junior. And then, yeah, Antrim for Mana, I feel that we've predicted this match about 15 times yeah. early this year. <laughs> and I... And it changes, yeah, and it changes so much, yeah. It's like a pendulum, um, nothing has separated them. Look, Antrim won the Ulster final, um, Fermanagh won the league, uh, you know, the league meetings. I'm going to go with Fermanagh simply because I think they're going to want to get revenge. Um, and also Antrim have a few players, the, the McGee sisters, they're playing, um, for Northern Ireland in the Netball World Cup. And I was just reading up on it today, and they played huge roles in the second half of the Ulster final. And I think they had a big say in the results. So without them, I think Antrim um, might find themselves on the wrong end of, of the results this weekend. Fiona, we tipped um, Loud to win that, and it's great to see um, Loud, you know, bouncing back because last year's defeat was heartbreaking for them because everyone expected them to win the Junior All Ireland. It's also great, you know, myself and yourself are from the province of Leinster to see. Leinster team is doing so well and you have three All-Ireland under-16 finals at the, on Wednesday evening A, B and C and Leinster have a team in each which is brilliant to see Yeah, I mean I suppose you kind of well personally you know I'm hoping for another another Leinster team to get up to senior yeah. um, you know and I suppose <clears> you know it, the signs are looking good you know and I was I was talking to one of the university managers um, uh, college team managers there recently and he was saying that there's a lot of strong underage Leinster counties coming yeah. up um, through the ranks, you know. So uh, and you know it's not it's not just the Dublin, you know, it's it's, it's other counties. So um, you know, hopefully, you know, I think um, things are looking a bit more positive for the province, and um, that's you know again push on to you know hopefully teams who usually allowed might go up to intermediate, you know, and then you never know you could have a Wexford meet up then. And see yes. Them. So um, you know, it it just helps spur on, and you know, it helps kind of uh, I suppose put more of a push on the Leinster championship, and um, you know, hopefully get a few more teams back up senior because I think there was five when we went to yeah. 2012 and now there's just two so you know it's just about rebuilding again and I, I don't see any reason why you can't and that's obviously a positive sign when you've got three Leinster teams in the uh, all Ireland 16 final Thank you so much for joining us again um, Nadine Fiona Claffey we wish Westmead the very best of luck this weekend yeah. against Kerry and listen for the, re- for the rest of the year so until next week, slumber for all.